0: Welcome back to the Live 8033 podcast, where we want to live in view of the cross of Christ and give current events eternal perspective. And as always, I'm your host, George Hellowa. Summertime is upon us, the weather's nicer, and it's the season where people turn their attention to home improvement projects. I myself am no stranger to the hallowed halls of Home Depot, as I've actually had the pleasure of remodeling a house, the whole house, gutting the bathrooms and the kitchen down to the studs, and making this house into my home. You know, if there's anything, anybody who's remodeled a house knows, it's simply this. You get out of it what you put into it, okay? You get out of it what you put into it. And if you want to get more out of your house, put the good stuff in it. Put in stuff that's going to last. And the truth is, uh, once you've remodeled your house, the last thing, the last thing that you want to do is have to start over and have to do it all over again because the stuff you put in didn't last. You know, there's some pretty deep spiritual application to that, too. And today on the podcast, we're asking the question, how long do you want it to last? How long do you want it to last? We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and if you want to follow along with us, uh, we're going to be talking about building the right way. So let's dive in. Hope you enjoy the podcast. We're in our series, Messy Church. We're talking about the book of 1 Corinthians, talking about the messy Christians living in a messy church at a messy time. So for the last uh, over 100 years, for over 100 years, children everywhere have been taught a cautionary tale about preparation, planning, and about quality building materials. Okay? There's probably not a school child anywhere who doesn't know the story of the three little pigs. Aw, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the little piggies. All right, the three little piggies how they built their houses, right? One out of straw, one out of sticks, and the other one out of what? Out of bricks, right? Three little pigs. And in the story, our antagonist, who is the big bad wolf, he does his very best to have bacon for dinner. And one by one, one by one, he visits. Someone's like, mmm, bacon. We know who you identify with in this story. Okay, One by one, he visits uh, each little pig's house. He demands that they let him inside, and threatening to huff, and puff and blow their house down if they do not willingly give themselves up for dinner. So as you well know the story, if you know the story, the first house went down with barely a breath. The feeble straw, no match for the wolf, of course. Uh, The stick house fared no better, succumbing to the huffing and the puffing. And of course, it was the last house, the last house, the brick house, that stood up to the wolf's attacks and endured the huffing and puffing onslaught. In some versions, of course, the pigs became dinner. Those are, the, those are the dark stories. And you know, Most versions, they escaped to their wiser brother's house, and they lived to see another day. Regardless, one constant in the stories is this, that their feeble construction, their feeble construction did not stand the test of time or the tempest of adversity. And while escaping with their lives, they lost everything that they had built. Ah, the three little pigs. Did you know... Now, we all know this story, but did you realize that this parable is actually pretty biblical? Parable of three little pigs. Pretty, pretty biblical parable. If you've got your Bibles, and I hope you're following along as we're in, this, in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Go there. Get there. We're going to start in verse 10. We're going to start in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul is writing to the Corinthians as he does, and he says this, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire." And he says, he goes on to say, the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but as only through fire. This is an important verse because it talks about this idea of how do I live my life after I have Christ? Let's have a word of prayer. We're going to dive in. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for giving us this passage. Thank you for the stories that... Reveal your truths. And we pray, Lord, as we dig into this today, we would each examine our own hearts and our own lives. In Christ's name. Amen. So the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about, uses farming references, right? To talk about the church. If you're familiar, if you know, listen, you know, we are, he talks about fields, he talks about flocks, he talks about sheep. But here Paul transitions to a different model. He talks about construction, right? Talks about construction. And uh, if you're all familiar with construction, you know that to make a building happen, a couple things need to be present for a project to happen. There are the, the architect. Someone's got to design the building. Uh, you've got the foundation. Okay, any building's got to have a foundation. Uh, the materials, of course, that you build a building with is important. Uh, there's always an inspection. And then there's always, of course, to build it, you have to have, you've got to have people. you got to have a workman. And so just like the three little pigs teaches us to build well before the big bad wolf comes, this passage demonstrates to us how important it is that we build something that will endure the testing and the inspection of God and that we're building something that will last. So we're going to walk through these these people, these things that need to be present. The first thing we're going to talk about as we go through this passage is the architect. If you like to keep notes, there you go. The architect. So in verse 10 he says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I, I, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. And let each one take care of how he builds upon it. So the phrase "master builder," the phrase "master builder" is the Greek word architectone, right? Which is where we get the word "architect." So Paul was the architect of the Corinthian church. He's the one who initiated the gospel work there, and then what he did is he left the work in the capable hands of Apollos, who continued on with the shepherding, with the pastoral work. In and Corinth, and so in the context of the passage, Paul is describing the silliness of their sectarianism, their their division over or Paul and, and Apollos. And man, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How they were, were arguing over which leader they were going to follow. Well, some were of Paul, some were of Apollos, and they're arguing over this. And it reminds them that neither one of them, either Paul or Apollos, is really important in the grand scheme of things. And at the end of the day, Paul and Apollos and Peter are just simply doing the same job, working in the fields for Jesus. He said, so the Corinthians don't need to choose sides any more than livestock need to say that they like Farmer Bill better than Farmer Bob, because if both farmers are bringing them their food, they're both happy. They're both good, right? Anybody, you know, who, no one ever complains where a free meal comes from. So, so that's the point, and that's what he's trying to say. And he says then, in, uh, he says a couple of verses before, what then is Apollos, what is Paul, servants through whom you believed, and the Lord assigned to each. In other words, this is our job. We're just doing our job. I planted Apollos' water, and God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth, giving credit where credit is due. For he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So Paul's saying, well, I started it. Others are building on it. And, and, and you realize that you and I, were, in the church, the church, we're, we're still doing that today, right? The work of pastors and ministers builds off of the shoulders of those who have gone before us. They have laid foundations. We continue to build. And the church of God is a building. The church of God is a building that will never be done until the Lord returns, okay? So we keep building and building and building on the foundation that was laid so long ago, creating something beautiful that's founded in the past but built for the future, Built for. Eternity. So, I'll give you an example. 1883. In 1883, an architect by the name of Antoni Gaudi inherited the foundation of a cathedral in Barcelona, Spain. Inspired with a new vision, Gaudi's plan uh, was for the massive Sagrada Familia. And his plans were so ambitious, so ambitious, he knew that he would never get it finished in his lifetime. This building has been under construction for 136 years. Okay. After Gaudi took over, the Grand Cathedral will be the tallest religious structure in Europe, and it's still not done. In fact, based on estimates, it's supposed to be finished in 2026, Okay, 100 years after the death of Antoni Gaudi. In fact, at the time of his death, he had barely finished even 25% of the outside facade. Most of what you see all happened after the architect died. And in the, in the inside, it's amazing. Google this thing, the, the Socrata Familia. It's beautiful. And it's amazing that this thing is even constructed. So here's the thing. Paul never intended his work to be the final phase of the project, but the beginning. And the vision of the church, the vision of the church should be bigger than anything that you and I can ever accomplish in our lifetime. We, need, you know, we sometimes think too small in the church. We need to think bigger of what God can do. So that's the architect. And the next thing, of course, is the foundation. foundation is vital. He says, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And the foundation Paul laid in Corinth is the same foundation laid in all the church, Jesus Christ. And in construction, in construction, the most important part of the structure is the foundation, because if you get that wrong, you get a foundation wrong, it doesn't matter what you put on top of it. You can build a beautiful home on a shoddy foundation, and the home... Will crumble from the bottom. Just look at all these houses that are built on seaside cliffs. Okay? And every time it rains, they're throwing tarps so that their bottom of their house doesn't wash away. Just drive down the eight, even in Mission Valley, all these people they have a phenomenal view, and they have like tarps and sticks just trying to keep the house together. Because they don't want it to wash away. But he says, build a solid foundation. If you build a solid foundation and the foundation will remain, regardless of what you put on top of it. That's why you walk around, you see ruins. You see the outline. You see the the foundation survive, even if the building did not. So we talk about the foundation. We say that no other foundation can be laid, which is Jesus. Well, I'm going to give you three things to think about. Jesus is, of course, the foundation for salvation. Okay, The Bible says in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Second thing. Jesus is the foundation of salvation. Jesus is the foundation of wisdom. Foundation of wisdom. Uh, Matthew 7, 24 says, "'Everyone then who hears these words of mine,' Jesus is speaking, "'and does them will be like the wise man "'who built his house on the rock. "'And the rain fell and the floods came "'and the winds blew and beat on that house. "'But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. "'And everyone who hears these words of mine "'and does not do them will be like a foolish man "'who built his house on the sand.'" And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus is the foundation of wisdom. Follow his words, live by his way, and you will stand. And thirdly, of course, Jesus is the, Jesus is the foundation of living, just the everyday life. He lived as an example. Second 2 Timothy 2.19 says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal, that the Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord Depart from iniquity. Live holy, live sinless, live, uh, live righteously. See, now, mankind has tried some pretty faulty foundations over the years, right? Tradition, man-centered religions, human wisdom, certain philosophies. And none of them can hold up to what the Bible calls the eternal weight of glory. In other words, test them, and they fall apart. Push them. They will break. And that's why every few years, something new comes along, some new secret to life only to pass away into obscurity because it's simply another failed foundation. So author and apologist Ravi Zacharias tells a great story about the importance of foundations. And he says this. He says, I remember being at the Ohio State University, one of the largest universities in this country. He says, I was minutes away from delivering my lecture and my host was driving me past a new building called the Wexner Center for the Performing Arts. And the... Driver, the host, said, this is America's first postmodern building. Zachariah says, I was startled for a moment. And I said, what is a postmodern building? And the reply was, well, the architect said that he designed this building with no design in mind. Okay. And so when the architect was asked why he did this, he says, well, if life itself, if life itself is capricious, why should our buildings have any design and any meaning? So he has pillars that have no purpose. He has stairways that go nowhere. Uh, he He has a senseless building built, and somebody has paid for it. A lot. A lot, yeah. Rabbi Zacharias says, So his argument was that if life has no purpose in design, why should the building have any design? And the host said, Well, that's correct. And Zacharias replied, Did he do the same with the foundation? All of a sudden, there was a silence. He says, And he concludes, You see, you and I can fool with the infrastructure as much as we like, but we dare not fool with the foundation because it will call our bluff in a hurry. Look, anybody depending on anything other than the finished work of Christ to get them into heaven is going to be very, very disappointed. So we know about the architect. We know about the foundation. The next thing we talk about is the the materials. Okay, The materials. Verse 12 says this, If anyone builds on the foundation... With gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. Right? So when I sold furniture, I sold furniture for nine years. I talk about it all the time. There are a lot of life lessons coming out of selling furniture. When I sold furniture, people would come in all the time, and they would ask for a sofa. And inevitably, people would always wanna would always want the best sofa for the cheapest price. Right? That's how it works. That's how that's how we roll. What can I get? How good is something can I get for the least amount of money I have to spend? Or they'd ask, they'd always ask, what's a good couch? And here's the question that we would always answer in reply. Well, how long do you want it to last? <laughs> OK, how long do you want it to last? Because the difference between a three-year sofa and a 23-year-old sofa uh, is the quality of the materials built on the frame. I could, I'd tell people, I can sell you a sofa. you know, You'll have it this year, this summer. It'll be great. And you want a new one next year. Or I can sell you a sofa that if they bought this more expensive sofa, they would get sick of looking at it long before it wore out. Okay, And this was their choice. So how long do you want to last? And so when we're thinking about what we do with our life in Christ, what we're building on the foundation of faith, that is an important question for us to ask. How long do we want what we build to last? What we lay down on this foundation, how long do we want to last? What will be the legacy of our decisions? And that's where this idea of material comes in. The biggest difference between gold, silver, and precious stones versus wood, hay, and straw is that the first three, they don't rot, okay? They don't burn. They're not easily destroyed. And the higher the quality of material, the longer it will last. So John MacArthur has a great description of these materials. He says, The materials do not represent wealth, talents, or opportunity, nor do they represent spiritual gifts, all of which are good, and all are given to each believer by the Lord as he sees fit. The materials represent the believers' responses to what they have, how well they serve the Lord with what he has given them. In other words, he says, they represent our works. Now, we cannot be saved by good works or stay saved by good works, but every Christian, quote, has been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And it is to bear fruit in every good work, He says this, works are not the source of the Christian life, but they are the marks of it, okay? So we have to ask ourselves, how long do you want it to last? You know, Paul said that someone else would build on the foundation of the gospel that he laid. In one sense, the person building on Paul's work was Apollos. He had the responsibility to teach, to disciple, to encourage and equip the church. In another sense, though, these words are for all of us, right? That we each individually take the responsibility for how we build on the foundation, for the investment that we make. He admonishes them. He says, let each person take care of how he builds on it. Anybody ever have a chance to do remodeling or work in their house or anything like that? Okay, if you ever had a chance to do that, you know uh, this truth, that there's a cheap way to do it and there's an expensive way to do it. There's a cheap way, there's an expensive way. You can stand in Home Depot, right? You can walk into Home Depot and you can and you'll find building material at every price point. There's a $25 faucet, and there's a $250 faucet, or a 500 dollars faucet. Okay? There's the $15 gallon of paint, or if you're really cheap, you look for the Oops paints. The good news is it's $5. The bad news is it's a color you hope no one ever sees in public. Okay? That's why it's called Oops. Or there's the $65 gallon of paints, guaranteed to cover in one coat. Some people are perfectly content with cheaper stuff, OK, either because they don't think they can afford the more expensive stuff, or more likely because they just don't care. They don't care what the inside of their house looks like, or they don't care how it turns out. Or it's a rental, right? It's not my house, not my problem, OK? But it's almost a guarantee that if you use the cheaper stuff, It won't be too long before you're replacing it again, okay? Same goes for clothes and cars and anything else where you have the cheap version versus the expensive version. In the end, in the end, it actually costs you more to take the cheap route, okay? Shoes are a great example. (laughs) There is a difference between a $100 pair of shoes and a $9 pair of shoes. Usually it's about a year and a half of wear. Okay. When I was a kid, I tried to convince my mom to buy me Nikes. So we went to Payless. They don't sell Nikes. And literally in three weeks, the heel fell off the shoe. And I got a pair of Nikes. <laughs> and they lasted me a year. So moral of the story is, don't skimp on your shoes. You're in them a lot. OK. But here's the thing. Sometimes you and I, we stand in a spiritual Home Depot, Okay, We do. And we're faced with a decision. What materials are we going to use? Are we going to take the cheap route? Or are we going to spring for the good stuff? Okay? I mean, what are the works that you and I are going to build on the foundation? How long do we want it to last? In John 15, 16, he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go to bear and, and, and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So if you're not sure, see, here's the thing. There's a lot of good things we can do. There's a lot of works we can do. There's a lot of ways we can serve. Those are all good things. You know, we're, we're, we're committed here to God's word, God's people, and God's work. And it's easy to, and I, I want to see us go out and serve the Lord and to do things and learn. If there's one thing I want you to learn from your time in this ministry, it's that giving of yourself to others and to service is the greatest reward. And, 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 that's, and that's true. But if you're not sure whether your works are gold, silver, precious stones, or simply wood, hay, or straw, there's three ways to check. And I'm going to give them to you real quick. And they're just right here. Our motives, our conduct, and our service. Our motives. Are we doing it for God's glory or for our glory? You know, in other words, do we want people to see us or do we want people to see Christ? Our conduct. Are we living the right way that honors God? Are we acting in a way that we wouldn't be embarrassed for people to know that we're a Christian. And thirdly, our service. Are we using the gifts that God has given us to do that which he asks of us? So that's the material. Next, of course, we have the inspection. Now, building anything in California is difficult and slow, because every step requires an inspector, everything. They're building this building here they got to inspect the foundation. You know, right? You, 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 you do this. They inspect the foundation. They inspect the framing. They inspect the electrical. They inspect the plumbing. They inspect the drywall screws. They inspect a the guy to come out and inspect then the taping of the drywall. Then they inspect the painting. Somebody checks every step of the way. Why? So that nobody can take a shortcut. OK? And Paul says here that each one of us will go through a building inspection. Verse 13, he says, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So the day, he says, that day. What is that day? Well, that day, he's talking about, is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 10. He says this. He says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive, he says, "Uh, what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So when Christ comes back and what we call the rapture, when all the believers, there's kind of time time when all the believers are standing before Jesus Christ and and, and we'll be judged. But we're not going to be judged for our sin. We're going to be judged for what we built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. What did we do with what we were given? This is the home inspection. The foundation's there. What did we put on top of this foundation? And Romans 4.12 says this, that each one of us will give an account of himself to God. I used to watch a show on HGTV called Homes on Homes. H-O-L-M-E-S. You've seen it? Yeah, Homes on Homes. Mike Holmes. He's a big, big guy, always wore overalls, OK? And here's, here's the show. Mike Holmes would go into houses that were poorly remodeled or poorly repaired, and he'd go and he'd have to fix all the bad workmanship. You know, gutters that drain the wrong way, roofs that leak, that leaked into the house instead of away from the house you know, electrical, where it was like, you know, someone just ran an extension cord through the wall. I mean, the, the whole show was just him going, who did this? Are you kidding me? And I used to, I watched it, oh, man, I, I, I dreamed the idea that Mike would come over to my house and start fixing stuff, because he'd, he'd fix all the bad work that I uncovered and all this stuff, until I realized he'd be uncovering all of my bad work. I didn't want him coming in and be like, who put these baseboards in? You know, who laid this floor? You know, like, oh, dude, did." okay. The idea of someone in, of coming in and fixing everything sounds great until you realize if they're coming in to expose your shortcomings. See, more than that, more than the idea of having Mike Holmes come in and tell me everything I did wrong. I don't like the idea of standing before God and having him uncover all of my shoddy workmanship or all of my shortcuts. I want God to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. You've heard me say this before, and I talk about it all the time in remodeling. I talk about my house, and it's true in the spiritual life, too. Do it right or do it twice. It's better to take the time to do something the right way than have to fix your own bad shortcut. And the same is true of the Christian faith. Do it right if you want it to last, you want it to stand the test of time, or otherwise you're going to be doing it again or fixing it. Which brings us, then, to our last ingredient for our building, which is the workman, Okay? Because the workmen are responsible for putting it all together. And that's you and me. We are building, the Bible says, our spiritual home. And nothing happens unless the workers go to work. And once they've done the work, they get the prize. He says in verse 14, he says, if the work they do, if the work that that, that anyone has built upon the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up through that fire of that day, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. But only as through fire. So the premise here is simple. Build well, and you will be rewarded. Build poorly, and your foundation will be the only thing that makes it through. You will get to heaven, but you will smell like hell. So this touches on on one quick thing. First of all, it's these. You know, we talk about eternal security for believers. I believe that Scripture teaches that when we are saved, we are saved we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can't undo salvation. But we can miss out on so much that God has for us. Okay? And he says this. They'll make it through. He'll be saved, but only as through fire. We'll get to heaven, but we'll smell like hell. So what? Well, here's this. Check this out. Your experience in eternity is going to be shaped by your conduct on earth. There are certain things as believers that we're all going to share, including eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's absolutely true. But the experience in heaven isn't going to be the same for everybody. I wouldn't expect that Billy Graham and I are going to receive the same set of rewards. I wouldn't be so arrogant to think that. I think people will be surprised at what heaven is like when they realize that they had opportunities to build something and they didn't take them. So the question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to build? Because if we don't take the words of God that he has given us and apply them, if we don't take what we've been given and use it for eternal purposes, we're really just wasting. In fact, someone put it this way, and I loved it. Sunday inspiration without Monday application is useless. So, and if you need a little motivation, if you need a little extra motivation, a little vision in regards to what we're building, I want you to look at the next verse, verse 16. And here's what he says. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. In the Old Testament, the, the, the temple was the dwelling place of God. Okay, Where the ark was, the temple dwelt there. Now we are that. We have to remember, we have to remember that what we are building. We are building, we are building God's temple. We are building the dwelling place of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. So this isn't some, some shed we're throwing together here guys, okay? We're building something eternal. In Ephesians 2:22 says, "In him, in him you also have uh, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit." So today, so here's the challenge for us today. And we're going to go to discussion time. As you think about your life in Christ, consider that every deed you do is a piece of your building. Every deed you do, everything that you do is a piece of your building. We know that what we're building is a spiritual house, the building of God in our hearts. Ask yourself this question, what am I building with? Is it wood, hay, stubble, or is it gold, silver, and precious stone? And as you decide what kind of house you want to build, ask yourself this question, how long do I want it to last? Right. Father, we are grateful for the word of God. We're thankful for the challenge that comes from this scripture. It is a lot for us to consider. It causes us to look inwardly and to take stock of the life that we're living on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Father, I'm grateful that in your mercy, that if a person lays the right foundation, if, if, if Christ is the, is the base of their life, that heaven is a promise. But Father, I also know that so many of us we need to live our lives with more than just fire insurance. We need to live our life in a way that we're building something that will last for eternity, that we have to understand that our experience in heaven is all, it will be shaped by our time on earth. And to take up that challenge, to take up that consideration, to realize that everything that we do now will resonate in eternity. So Father, as we dig into some time of discussion, help us to process this, to be challenged by it, to be encouraged by it, and choose wisely the material we're going to use to be approved workmen who are not ashamed, and to build something that will last. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Some of our outline today was adapted from John MacArthur's great study on this book, and I'm indebted to all the people who make it their goal to build well for the kingdom of God. As you think about your life, I hope you really deeply consider what your foundation is. Is it Jesus Christ? And not just what your foundation is, is what then are you building on top of it? Will it last? Are you building for eternity? If you'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have thoughts, comments, you just want to say hi, make sure you email us at live8033 at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us and help make the podcast happen, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash live eighty thirty three where you can help support this podcast and help us reach others with the Word of God. Our music today and every day is by Lee Rosevear. You can check out his stuff at freemusicarchive.org. And my name is George Helowa. You've been listening to the Live 8033 podcast, where we want to live in view of the cross of Christ and give current events eternal perspective. God bless. We'll talk to you next time.